guys, welcome back to episode 8 of Reading with Grace. Today we'll be picking up from chapter 36, but first a recap of chapters 29 through 35. The first year students are learning all types of magical spells for different uses, such as theater spells and music spells. While Alex was trying to create a 3D window, he noticed Will Blair and Sam Heat acting very suspicious. Alex discovered a third floor in the library with tables and lights to help him see the flaws in his 3D door he was working on. The heads of Artme, consisting of Mr. Today, Simber, Florence, and a number of instructors, had a meeting and talked about the dangers of Will Blair and of Alex. Alex took a trip to the Iron Gate at night and had a talk with the Gerinos guarding it about Quill. Turns out there is a secret entrance to Quill behind the castle. There also used to be magic in Quill a long time ago, but Mr. Today took away the memories of people who remembered it. Alex had a small talk with Mr. Today, mostly about Aaron. Alex accidentally got caught in the library with Sam Mead and Will Blair, who were also working on a 3D door, but they didn't see him. He overheard them talking about Aaron and learned that Will Blair was planning to return to Quill through the 3D door and then kill his brother to take Aaron's place in disguise. Sam Mead found Alex but kept quiet to Will about it. Then we ended with Alex finishing his 3D door, pasting it up in Mr. Today's office, and Alex stepping through to it to go see Aaron. Thirty-six, together again. Alex glanced over his shoulder as he pushed the 3D door closed behind him. This door was identical to Aaron's regular door that led into the dormitory hallway. The two doors now stood side by side like twins. Alex wondered what would happen if the 3D drawing were removed from Mr. Today's office wall. Would the magical door disappear? For a brief moment, Alex felt claustrophobic. What if he couldn't get back to Archmay? He shuddered and waited for his eyes to adjust completely to the dim moonlight. There was no way Alex could do this without scaring Aaron. He knew that. Alex stood next to the bed, his stomach flipping, knees shaking. At first, Alex tried to will Aaron awake, but that didn't work. Aaron's chest rose and fell rhythmically. Aaron, Alex whispered, it's me. The boy didn't stir. Alex closed his eyes and breathed in a shaky breath, and then blew it out slowly and opened his eyes again. He stepped closer and touched Aaron's arm. Aaron, he said a little louder. Aaron, it's me, Alex. Aaron sucked in a breath and rolled to his side. His eyes opened, blinked. Aaron, wake up. It's me. It's, it's Alex. Aaron reared up wildly, scrambling on his backside. He let out a shout. Who's there? Alex cringed. Shh, Aaron, it's Alex. Aaron's mouth fell open, a look of intense fear on his face. No, leave me alone. What? Aaron blinked and scooted to the far corner of his bed, his face anguished. Stop torturing me. Aaron, please keep your voice down before you wake the whole dormitory. Listen, I know you're scared. Aaron's eyes narrowed. I'm not afraid of a dream. Alex is dead. Leave me alone, he spat out the words. This was not the way Alex had thought the conversation would go. He hadn't known what to expect, but whatever it was, it wasn't this. Aaron, Alex sighed. He looked around the room in the dark, his eyes having adjusted now and found a lamp. He lit it and a low light filled the room. I'm not dead. I came back to rescue you. Aaron was silent, staring. His jaw quivered as he reined control of his emotions, and soon his face took on the old, familiar, serious look. His voice controlled and cold. You have three minutes to explain yourself before I call the guards, he said. Alex's mouth fell open. Your joke, he began to say, and then he realized where he was, and that, of course, Aaron wasn't joking. Aaron wouldn't even know the meaning of the word. Alex closed his mouth and sighed. Aaron, it's me, Alex, your brother, your twin. I'm not dead, but you will soon be if you don't listen to me. If you don't come with me, please. What are you talking about? How did you get in here? 
That cold voice. Emotion was completely gone from his brother's face now. Aaron wasn't glad to see Alex. Alex's heart began to crack. You'd better explain. Alex bit his lip. Get it together. Aaron, please. Alex couldn't help it. He reached out his hand. Haven't you missed me? Not even a little? Hot tears sprang to Alex's eyes. Blast it! He squeezed his eyes shut and turned his head away so Aaron wouldn't see, then sank down to sit on the edge of Aaron's bed. He took a deep, shuddering breath and let it out again. I miss you, he whispered. Aaron's face softened, the tiniest bit. Alex, he said, if you want to dream, where have you been hiding all this time? Did you escape from the Eliminators? How could you survive this long? This is impossible. Alex knew he had to do this right. It was his only chance. He turned back toward his brother when he had composed himself and spoke evenly, like he had done when he lived in Quill. If I tell you, you must promise me you won't tell anyone. Aaron narrowed his eyes. He was quiet for a moment. All right. I live in a secret world, a wonderful, magical world of art and creativity. Aaron stared. Now I know for sure that I'm dreaming. It's a world very different from Quill. We have fun there. We paint and draw and listen to music. I have no idea what you are talking about or what you want from me. I want you to be with me, Aaron. Remember when we made houses in the mud with the bone? Do you? That's called drawing. You loved it, I could tell. But you were too good. Too good to admit it, even to yourself. Something flashed across Aaron's face and disappeared into the frown. I had no infractions. His voice was cold again. You are like me, Aaron, whether you believe it or not. If you come with me right now, I will show you. Come with you where? To my home on Artime, where we will keep you safe. Safe from what? And who is we? We are the unwanteds, and safe from General Blair's son, Will, who wants to kill you and take your place. Aaron sat for a long minute, then turned toward the wall, lay down, and closed his eyes. Will Blair is dead. He was unwanted three years ago. Aaron? Stop torturing me. I am not allowed to be having all these dreams. I'm not the one who killed you. It's not my fault you couldn't follow the law. Now go away and never come back. Aaron, don't be an idiot. I'm not a dream, see? Alex hauled off and punched Aaron in the shoulder. Great cats, said Aaron. What did you do that for? To prove to you that I'm real and alive and sitting here. What do you keep thinking I'm a dream? Have you been having the dream too? The one we are together again and I show you magic? No, Aaron said too quickly. I have forgotten all about you. You are dead. We don't remember the dead. Alex stared into Aaron's eyes. I'm not dead and I am happy for the first time in my life. You have no idea how happy you can be if you just come with me. I don't want to be happy. Happy causes infractions. I want to be intelligent and strong, and I am. I am wanted. Assistant secretary to the high priest Justine. Now get off my bed, unwanted. In Artemis, there are no laws like in Quill. No infractions. And there, everybody has skills and talent. Everyone. You would too. Alex felt the tears coming back again. And this time, he cried openly, shoving the tears off his face as fast as they fell. Quill is an evil place, Aaron. The high priest Justine and the governors are telling you lies. And soon you will be killed, and I will be so sad. Alex leaned over and hugged his brother's stiff body. I know you don't understand yet, but I'm already so sad for you. He stood up. Will Blair is coming. He'll enter Quill and kill you. The only warning you have is mine. Please, Aaron, please come. Aaron sat up and shook his head. No, now go. Finally dejected, Alex convinced himself he would not get anywhere with Aaron. So he turned to leave. Aaron got out of his bed and stood. Why should I believe you? He asked, his voice dull and even. And where did that extra door come from? He muttered, rubbing his eyes now. Alex turned back to face his brother, memories flooding back to his mind. The tears poured freely down his face now, but he was not ashamed. He was proud. Proud to live in a world where people could express their feelings. Why should you believe me? He repeated. 
Why should you believe me? Alex's voice turned raspy. I should be the one to ask you that of all. After all you've done, you've reported Sam Heed, didn't you? Aaron's eyes flickered. Alex watched Aaron carefully, and for the first time in his life, he saw the depth of the chilling hardness in Aaron's eyes. Alex broke into a cold sweat as new thoughts, new realizations surfaced. He whispered, You reported me too. It was not a question. For Alex, there was no question anymore. He stared at his brother, forcing Aaron to either hold his gaze or look away. Aaron's eyes filled with contempt. Get out of my sight, you filthy, useless, unwanted. He spat the words out like icicles. I did my duty. You failed. I hold no blame for anyone else's failures. Not yours, not Sam Heed's, not that ranger girl, and especially not the general's son. You are all deserving of your horrible fate. There was a terrible pause. The identical twins standing face to face in the tiny dormitory room. Aaron's jaw squared harshly, his nostrils flared, and his dark eyes as lifeless as marbles, while his mirror image absorbed the insults, his deep chocolate eyes changing from anger to hurt to pity. Alex spoke quietly. You're right about one thing. We are deserving. Thank you, he said. You did us all a great favor. And with that, Alex turned to the magical door and stumbled blindly through it into the brightly lit office of Mr. Today, before the shuddering, angry sobs broke loose. And then... Large, warm arms enveloped him, the arms of the mage himself, who held Alex tightly and let him snivel onto his robe, and then patted his back, saying, There, there, until Alex could stop sobbing long enough to speak. He looked at Mr. Today, all the secrets of the past several months dancing around him, and he knew there was no way to lie around this mess. I'm sorry, sir, Alex whispered. Mr. Today nodded. I know, my boy, I know. Let's hear everything about it now, all right? He patted a chair and urged Alex to sit, and then he moved behind the desk and sat as well. They stayed for a moment in the contemplative silence, and then the 3D door creaked open once again, and a disheveled, dark-haired boy with eyes as round as saucers peered into Mr. Today's office. Thirty-seven. The Visitor. Mr. Today and Alex looked up at the noise. Good evening, Mr. Today said, standing up rather abruptly. He flicked his wrist, and the blackboards on the wall behind him went dead. Do come in. Care for tea? Aaron neatly turned around and slammed the door, but he hesitated, looking from his brother to the stranger with him. "'Who are you?' he asked in a disdainful voice. "'I am commonly known to the people of Quill as the Death Farmer,' Mr. Today said, "'and this is my office. Please,' he urged again, "'come in.' "'Yes,' echoed Alex in a hollow voice. "'Come in, Aaron. No one will harm you.' "'Why should I trust you?' Aaron's eyes were slits. Alex looked away as his own eyes burned. "'After all I've done for you, you still will not trust me?' He shook his head. I'll get the tea. Mind you, don't have to send it up through that tube, Mr. Today said lightly. There's a kettle on the stove in the kitchenette. Alex nodded and walked across the hallway to the small kitchen. He glanced at the tube in the corner of the room, but stayed well away from it. By the time he returned to Mr. Today's office with the tray, Aaron had stepped into the office, but he had kept the door ajar and his hand on the frame. He looked like he'd seen a ghost, and that was exactly how he felt, too. Mr. Today invited him to sit, but Aaron shook his head. Well, then, Mr. Today said, taking over the conversation for which Alex was very grateful. I expect you want to know what this world is all about. The door on which you are hanging on to dear life is magical, and is the world you have entered. As you can see, Mr. Today said as he poured the tea and added several sugars to his own. Your brother Alex is not dead. He is very much alive and quite happy, I presume. He misses you dreadfully. Though, Mr. Today continued as an afterthought, it appears to me you've been quite horrible to him at times, but we'll reserve judgment, won't we, Alex? Of course, Alex said softly, after nearly a year on Artime and facing his twin on Alex's own turf. Alex felt self-conscious and could think of nothing more to say. 
He remembered his own immersion into this world and was glad now for the fairly ordinary office environment Aaron was taking in. Perhaps this would help Aaron age into it more slowly. Aaron glanced suspiciously from Mr. Today to Alex and back to Mr. Today again. What do you want from me? Mr. Today chuckled. Good heavens, we want nothing that you have, Aaron. But I suppose we could offer you sanctuary, so to speak. A new life, if you want it. Alex added, and safety from Will Blair, who wants to kill you. He glanced at Mr. Today, who raised an eyebrow at Alex. It's true, Mr. Today. I heard him talking. He and... Alex hesitated and then went on. He and Sam Heed. They're making a door, too, like I did. And they've almost got it done. Will is going to use magic to look like Aaron and then kill Aaron and dispose of him so that no one knows what happened. And then he's going to take Aaron's place. Though I'm not sure Sam Heed knew all of that before today, he said. Mr. Today listened with interest and concern and then looked back at Aaron and shrugged. Sounds horrifying. I'd listen to your brother if I were you, he said. Additionally, I worry about you getting very uncomfortable standing there by that door forever. You won't get to see the grounds that way. Plus, Will Blair will find you easily enough if we leave that door up. Aaron shook his head. I can't even understand what you are saying. Alex, in despite of the dire situation, could not hide the small smile that tugged at the corner of his mouth. I know how you feel, Aaron. None of us could understand a thing until we saw it for ourselves. None of you could? Aaron asked. How many of you are there? Alex glanced at Mr. Today, wondering how much information he could give to Aaron. Mr. Today nodded and smiled. I'm not fond of secrets. You may tell him everything you wish to, Alex. Alex took a deep breath. I don't know where to start. He sighed and looked into his brother's eyes, searching for anything but the cold hardness that had filled with the only moments before. We are the unwanted, he began. Hundreds of us. And this is the magical world, Cart Artemis. Aaron the Wanted could hardly believe his eyes or ears. Every moment he stood there, he felt more and more overwhelmed. This office was far more beautiful than even the High Priest Justine's. Everything looked shiny and new. Magic? Spells and art? And all sorts of other words Aaron had never heard before? His brother certainly seemed convinced about the Will Blair character, and the old man seemed to believe him. But Aaron wasn't buying it. Still, he wondered if all this could be true. And slowly, he realized that if it were true, if all the Unwanted were truly here, and he had been the one to discover them, he would be greatly rewarded by the High Priest Justine. It was all too crazy to be true. It was likely the craziest dream he'd ever have. And he didn't like it one bit. These dreams were getting way out of control. After what felt like an hour or more, Aaron grew tired of standing by the doorway. Come on, Aaron. Let me show you Mr. Today's mansion, Alex said. Aaron looked at his brother and felt a small blip of something deep inside, but within a moment it was gone. No, I've got an early appointment at the palace, he said brusquely. Alex gripped the edge of his desk. What? I follow the law and I do my duties. You'll never learn that, will you? But, but, Alex sputtered. But you should stay here. You'll be safe here. Don't you understand what we're trying to tell you? Aaron stared at Alex and the identical twins stood motionless facing each other. Finally, Aaron spoke. I have never understood you and I never will. Please leave me alone. And with that, Aaron swiveled around and pushed open the 3D door, stumbled a bit onto the unnatural threshold that was made by painting not quite reaching the floor, and slammed the door behind him. Alex smashed his hand down on Mr. Today's desk. No! Thirty-eight. Broken ties. I'm sorry, sir. I, I made such a mess of everything. Alex said as he dropped into a chair. Mr. Today snapped his wrist again and the scenes reappeared on the blackboard behind his desk. They watched Aaron shake his head and flip the light out on the blackboard that showed his room. The old man sat behind the desk and pressed a finger to his lips, looking disappointed and perhaps angry, but saying nothing as if he were waiting to hear more. I mean, 
What was I thinking? I've ruined everything. A look of pure agony washed over Alex's face as he realized the extent of the trouble he had created. Oh, he groaned. I should have talked to you, or Miss Octavia, or someone, but I was so sure I could convince him to come, and that would be that, you know? Quill would wonder where he went, but they never guess. Then I just found out tonight that Will was planning to do, and, well, I went a little crazy. I had to beat him to Aaron, and I didn't think... I didn't think it th through. I mean, he's close, Mr. Today. Really close. He rubbed his temples and let his head sink back into the chair. And I know I shouldn't have done it. I was just so sure. I meant, we're twins. I know him. Or at least, I thought I did. I really thought I had him there. For a sweat second, there was just a flicker of something. Like he wanted to believe me. But back when I was in his room, he said... He said... Alex relieved the entire conversation, starting from the beginning. Mr. Today just listened and waited for Alex to finish. The look on his face changed as the story came out. And you know what? Alex asked. He's right. He did his duty to Quill, and I failed. And now I failed to do my duty to you, too. Alex slumped back in his chair, miserable. They sat in silence for a moment. Are you quite finished? Mr. Today asked kindly. I don't wish to interrupt until you've gotten it all out. Every little nasty bit. Alex looked up. He reported me. It was him, way back when we were nine. He was already turning people in back then. Not just me, Megan, Sam Heed, and Will Blair, too. I never knew anything could hurt like this. Mr. Diddy nodded. I know, you weren't the only ones. He turned in a great deal more than that. He did? Yes. Even before the purge, I met with Justine and got over the reports. Aaron had had this set side of the palace for some time now. Alex shook his head sadly. All this time, he said, I had no idea. Why didn't you tell me? Because it was hurtful, and you wouldn't have believed me. I guess you needed to see it for yourself, Mr. Today sighed. And once I saw the door and I figured out what had happened, I too hoped you might have been able to change his mind. Alas. Then his face brightened a little. I'm glad to have you here, though. Aren't you glad to be here? Yes, said Alex, but it still just kills me. How could he be so horrible? How could he be so evil without me knowing it? He was my closest, my, my closest everything. And I feel so stupid. I should have known back in the mud. He sighed. And what happens now? His voice grew fearful. We'll never know until it happens, Mr. Today said. But it's likely that Aaron will report having seen you, even though he promised he wouldn't. And it's likely that Will Blair will succeed eventually in getting his door finished. Which one of them acts first? Only time will tell. I'm really sorry. Come now, Alex. Let's be done with the apologies, Mr. Today said. Let me tell you, my boy. I admit to holding out the slightest hope for the twin connection and getting him to stay here once he walked in the door. I've witnessed that power before, but I should have known better. Mr. Today trailed off deep in thought and it was quiet in the room for several minutes. Alex, who was completely spent, drifted off to sleep in the chair during the silence, but he startled awake when he heard a growl at the door. Standing there was a most enormous gray wolf. Hello, Marcus. Claire said you wanted to see me. The wolf's gravely voice was as deep as a bassoon. Mr. Today rose to his feet and smiled warmly. Gunnar, how good of you to come. I'm sure you recognize Alex still. Alex, this is Gunnar. You may have seen him a time or two on your treks through the jungle. I, yes, Alex said, remembering. He was a bit nervous having the wolf so close, but he swallowed his fear and said, his voice shaking only a little, It's nice to meet you. The wolf nodded politely. Marcus, is everything all right with the children? The wolf's bright blue eyes shifted toward Alex briefly, and he let out the red of his question unasked. Mr. Today looked puzzled, and then his face brightened. Oh, 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 yes, quite fine. No, I wanted to speak with you about the matters of Quill, which continued to change by the minute. Aaron Stone knows of our existence now. Do what you can to keep him in sight. I fear he'll share the knowledge with Justine within days, if not immediately. The great wolf nodded. 
Alex lowered his head, feeling fully responsible for it. And a favor, if I may, Mr. Dede said. Of course. I think you should alert the jungle creatures to what's happening. If it should come to war, I will surely offer my protection for those who wish it. But if any feel inclined to fight with us, Mr. Dede's voice was humble. I would be grateful for their help if it comes to that. Would you let them know? The wolf regarded Mr. Dede thoughtfully. It would be better, I think, he said carefully, for them to hear it from one of their own rather than from me. Mr. Dede trapped his lips. So it would, he murmured. I'll speak to RJ. He roused himself briskly and nodded and then pulled the 3D painting from the wall. He rolled it up swiftly and touched one end with an iron band on the lock grew around it, holding it firmly closed. Mr. Dede put it in a cupboard near the door and locked that as well. Alex knew it was for the best, but it was hard to see all those hours of work get locked up in a cupboard. You should probably do that immediately, the wolf said. He glanced at the big picture window in the lounge just outside Mr. Dede's office. Alex followed his gaze and saw it was nearly dawn. He yawned despite his best intentions, but it had been a long and sleepless night. Very well, Mr. Dede said. Alex, perhaps you'd like to catch a few hours of sleep before training begins. Alex jumped. Oh, oh yeah, of course. I must go as well, Gunnar said. Mr. Dede smiled and followed the two into the hallway. Gunnar kept walking across the lounge past the small kitchen and into the room where all sorts of monitors and gadgets whirled softly. He hoisted himself into his hind legs and stood in the tube in the corner. Take care, Gunnar, Mr. Dede said. You also. Gunnar's body shimmered and blurred before it disappeared. Alex blinked and rubbed his eyes, not quite sure what he had just seen. There's a tube to the jungle? Mr. Dede put his hand on the boy's shoulder as they walked down to the hall toward the balcony. No, he said. That tube was quite different from any other. Please don't ever use it. It goes places you wouldn't want to go. He turned around, pointed to the ceiling, and muttered, Glass. Liquid glass shimmered her down and froze in place, sealing the area. Mr. Dede, Alex asked, why don't you protect your office more carefully? I, I could still see the blackboards when the glass was in place, and sometimes the glass isn't up at all, you know. I know, I'm growing quite forgetful, the mage sighed. Alex, I have nothing to hide. I'm the same as anyone here. I hold few secrets, and those that need protecting are personal, and I keep them inside me, where no one can get to them, just like everyone else does. He chuckled softly. I hesitated to put up the glass shield at all, but my most trusted friends overruled me. The glass isn't there to protect my office. It's there to protect the most creative students like you and others, who are able to see this hallway, and to give me a little peace and quiet. My sleeping quarters are connected to my office, you know. That's how I heard you when you went through the magical door. Alex's eye widened. He shook his head, amazed, puzzled, not at all sure what to say. And since he was sleep-deprived after the emotional, eventful night, his thoughts were completely jumbled. They stepped out onto the balcony, and Alex turned down the boy's hallway to his room. I have so many questions. Mr. Dede smiled warmly. I have answers. But for now, he said, you and I will be better off getting some sleep. Alex nodded and stumbled down the hall and into his room. Hey, Clive, you old crudge among you, he grumbled. Wake me up in time for breakfast. Clive surfaced and glared. You look like crud. Your mom looks like crud. Clive's gleaming nostrils flared. He melted back into the blackboard without another word. Thirty-nine. The Quillitary. Aaron Stowe tossed and turned on his cot, falling into fits of battered sleep. When the gray morning light pressed into his dormitory room, he gave a breast and glanced at the wall. There was only one door there. Surely it had been a nightmare. He began his morning ritual, as always. Since water was scarce in the desert-like land of Quell, and most of the supply was needed for crops and cattle, each student of the university was given a pail of water every week for washing up. 
It felt like a bonus to most students, since household quadrants were given two pails of water for the entire family, no matter the size. Aaron secretly felt annoyed, because that meant some of the children bearers who had failed by producing two unwanteds feared the same as he, once their children had been disposed of. But today's mind was on other things. Methodically, Aaron wet his washcloth in the teabed water, being sure to squeeze the excess out of it carefully and wiped his face. With a finger, he brushed off a bit of fuzz above his lip that seemed to be growing these past few weeks as he neared his 14th year. He was certain that it was his facial hair coming in, and he wondered what it looked like. He wondered if it looked like Alex's. As he watched, he tried to clear his mind of the events of the previous night. He had convinced himself by now that Alex was indeed a dream, but he was terribly concerned about how weak his abilities were to control these dreams, which grew more intense each day. He ran the washcloth over his chest and arms and nearly yelped when he pressed on the tender spot on his shoulder, where his dream brother had hit him. What in quill? He murmured, massaging it. Great cats! That's smarts! His dream was all too real, yet all too impossible. It didn't happen, he told himself firmly. Once dressed, he sat in a chair and waited until it was time to go to breakfast. He stared blankly at the door for nearly an hour, for he had gotten up early. He tried to think about his next project that the high priest had seen had given him, perfecting the quilletary vehicle operations. Today, he would visit the quilletary base for a tour, and he'd learn from the officers how the vehicles ran. From there, he'd take the information to develop a plan. Hopefully, it would be a plan that pleased the high priest. This was his best chance of remaining in his high position as assistant secretary and moving up to secretary in a few months when the old maid had been disposed of. Aaron knew that solidifying his post in the palace was crucial to his advancement. The current secretary to the high priest was an ancient woman, older than the high priest dressing herself. Soon she'd be sent into the ancient sector of Quill, and her sight was failing. Once there, she'd never be seen again. Well, not by wanteds, anyway. It was the job of the necessaries to tend to the ancients, put them to sleep, and bury them. Aaron had learned all about burying in part because his father was a barrier. Burying, Aaron shuddered. His thoughts had turned back to Alex and the day that made the houses in the mud. Alex admitted to himself that he hadn't actually seen a house in the random markings in the mud. At the time, he had wanted to see what Alex saw, but thinking back on it, he was glad that he didn't. Alex, Aaron shook his head violently. Stop, he said to himself, or I'll be forced to report you. Aaron's thoughts turned again to his own advancement. Once the secretary was banished to the ancient sector, Aaron would be on an equal level with five or six governors. There were only two people on Quill stood in the way from that point. One was the high priest Justine herself, who was at 70 years old, who was not presumed to leave more than five or ten years. Aaron wasn't worried about her standing in his way when the time came. She had no heirs. But the second obstacle would be indefinitely more difficult. He was a senior governor, second in command. The man watched Aaron like a dog watches a gopher hole. Almost like he knew Aaron was hot on his heels, ready to overthrow Senior Governor Haluki and become the next High Priest at Quill. Almost like that, he knew that Aaron would stop at nothing to succeed. A harsh clanging of metal on metal sounded outside the door. Aaron breathed a sigh of relief, got up, and strode to the doorway. When he opened the door, and indeed as all the other doors of the hall opened simultaneously, a flash of something silvery bright caught his eye on the floor of his room next to the door. It was a thin piece of metal twisted into an odd shape. But this one wasn't brown like all the rusty metal Aaron had ever seen. This was gleaming silver, a color Aaron had never before laid eyes on, except in the dream the previous night. Swiftly, he reached down and picked it up. He put it on his pocket to study later in private, and swept into a line of students that would take him to the cafeteria for breakfast. At 8 o'clock, Aaron slipped out of the university and into the waiting vehicle that would take him to the quilletary base for his tour. In the front seat next to the driver was Governor Haluki, and the back with Aaron, Governor Strang. Good day, Governors. Well met, Aaron, they intoned. Now that he had an official title tied to the high priest, it bothered Aaron that they all continued to call him by his first names as if he were a child. But he said nothing and instead turned his attention to the driver, a quilletary lieutenant. 
Driver, he said curtly as the vehicle chugged and squealed along the road. Yes, sir, Assistant Secretary Stowe, sir. This made up for the previous. What is your top speed? Aaron asked. Twenty-five posts, sir. Sustainable? Not hardly, sir. How long? I'd say thirty minutes. You'd say? Aaron sneered. Thirty minutes, sir. What happens at thirty-one? Engine locks up, Mr. Stowe. You heard the squealing now? Needs water and grease. Soon as we arrive, I'll rejuice so I can make it back. Aaron's brow furrowed. Water? What's the water element for the base, gentlemen? Governor Strang spoke. We've just increased it to thirty barrels. A week? Thirty barrels. Strang repeated. A day. Aaron sat back in his seat. Thank you, gentlemen. He said evenly, even though Senior Governor Haluki hadn't contributed a word, and even appeared to be nodding off in the front seat. Thirty barrels a day. Aaron looked out his window, up through the barbed wire defense ceiling, and scanned the sky for rain clouds. Seeing none, he feared for the life of his first project, the feared farm. With the water scarce and the quillotary vehicles sucking up a ridiculous amount, something had to be done. Haluki, String, and Aaron toured the quillotary base, walking past new wanted soldiers practicing the traditional quillotary death chants, though it would be used in battle should quill ever come under attack. But Aaron's focus was on transportation today. He absorbed everything he saw and heard regarding the vehicles. Then the three turned to the vehicle for the short ride to the palace to meet with the high priest Justine. The car creaked and strained its way up the hill, and Aaron, now feeling the exhaustion from too few hours of sleep the night before, let his thoughts wander once again to the strange episode during the night. It felt distant now, but something tugged into Aaron's mind. How could it possibly be that behind the great fence was an entire world full of unwanted? Aaron couldn't fathom it. There was no way they would fit. For one thing, not according to the accounts he'd overheard from the governor's inspection about the small plot of land. And where would they hide? It was ridiculous. There was nothing but a building, some weeds, and a lake. A great lake of boiling oil. Aaron closed his eyes for a moment, telling himself to stop all thoughts of Alex forever before he did something to jeopardize his standing with the high priest. Even so, he fingered with the thin piece of metal in his pocket, though the fabric of his trousers, wondering what else something like that could possibly have come from. Finally, the driver pulled the vehicle up to the palace. After the customary passwords and formal greetings with the high priest, the four sat in the conference room. Senior Governor Haluki began the briefing, updating the high priest with a status report from General Blair. Strang continued, speaking of their tour, and then three of them turned to Aaron. And what are your findings? Justine asked. Throughout the briefing, something had niggled at the edge of Aaron's thoughts. He struggled to come up with something brilliant to say, but he was afraid that his comments would disappoint. He knew this was important. He knew this could prove that his first idea, the favorite farm, was not a fluke. That he could prove his brilliance. And perhaps, just perhaps, it might answer the burning question that had been plaguing him for months. The high priest waited patiently for Aaron to answer. Haluki and String eyed him carefully. Aaron straightened his already extreme posture to a state of rigid. If it pleases the high priest, I wish to offer a solution to the growing problem. If not only the poor quality of the quillitary vehicles, for indeed they are in a sorry state, but also a solution that will ease Quill's looming water shortage. Justine's gaze didn't waver. Proceed, she said. Aaron nodded. I believe that there is a method that, to my limited knowledge, he said humbly, we have not explored. Perhaps you will consider it worthily. Aaron took a breath, knowing he couldn't stall much longer without an actually making a suggestion. He was still trying desperately in his mind to figure out exactly how it would work. Haluki, who sat opposite of Aaron, shifted in his chair and his eyes narrowed, not leaving the boy's face. String nodded encouragingly, fearing an appreciation for the boy's mind. The high priest Justine's mouth twitched, as if she were growing impatient. Out with it, then? Aaron nodded again and pressed his lips together. Very well, he said, his esophagus feeling tight enough to stop his breath. 
I believe the solution to making the vehicles run more efficiently and to freeing up 30 barrels of water used by the Quilatory base each day is... Aaron swallowed and continued. The Great Lake of Boiling Oil. The high priestess knitted her brows and then looked her face growing even more intense. Anne? She prompted sharply. Anne? Aaron's voice cracked, making him cringe and clear his throat. Anne, he continued, therefore, as I have never seen the Great Lake of Boiling Oil, I'd like your permission to pay a visit to the death farm so I might gather a sample for studying and testing. Haluki's eyes flickered for an instant before they returned to their cold, steel-blue color. He shifted in his chair as the high priest and Strang grew thoughtful. No, it's out of the question, Haluki said. The high priest offered Haluki a rare look of disdain. What? She said, her voice ranged slightly as fire rose in her eyes. It's contaminated, Haluki said forcefully. Polluted. Perhaps you've forgotten what goes in there. Aaron and the young governor Strang exchanged an uncomfortable look. The high priest glared at Haluki. I'll thank you to leave that decision up to me. She turned to the palace guards at the door. Guards? Fetch a vehicle immediately, suitable large enough for the four of us. Aaron's stomach flipped. Haluki hesitated, then stood abruptly and made for the door. Make that three. I have another appointment. Good day, madam. The three remaining at the table watched him go, and then looked at each other, none of them bothering to hide the shock of their faces at the strange behavior. Finally, the high priest had with a wall to call out, Oh, for quilt's sake, Haluki, come back here immediately. But the man was already gone.